It's time for Love Talk with the Love Lady, Evelyn Davison, talking about Operation Christmas Child and the power of a gift. Thank you, Gabby. This is Evelyn Davison, and I'm excited today, and I know that you'll be excited too as uh, you listen to Love Talk. And in the studio with me is my favorite person in all the world, Mr. Van Davison. I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, are you really? Are you playing games you with bet. me? You bet. You bet. I'm always you? excited when I'm with uh, Ray and Luana Garner. <coughs> uh, great people from First Baptist Church, Fliggerville. And uh, we always look forward to seeing them every Sunday. And uh, anyway, they're, uh, they're longtime friends and Love Talk sponsors and Good News Journal partners and everything. And main thing is they are the area coordinators for what? Uh, the shoebox outfit. <laughs> Welcome, Ray. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so <laughs> much, man. And, Don't you uh, love to, that kind of an introduction? <laughs> well, I, I've been called a lot worse, so I think that's good. I'll go with uh, Operation Christmas Child. Yes. I'm sorry Operation I got the tickles today. Gabby will be on my case. But, you know, when you look at life the way we live it, uh, we can just sit, sit back and see God doing some wonderful things in this, our time. And we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, you all um, uh, have a big hand that folds in, in the form of prayer and praise for the Lord Jesus, and that we are putting Jesus in a box and shipping him around the world. Can you tell me what that process is, Ray? Well, very briefly, it starts right here at home. Uh, each individual person is asked to pack a shoebox or a shoebox-sized box uh, with things that a child might need to go to school or to enjoy life or to just have a little bit of fun and enjoyment out mm-hmm. of a situation where they're deprived of just about everything that we're accustomed to having. And then we pack a little Jesus in there with a good <laughs> message. Uh, the good news of uh, salvation uh, goes along with that box, and they're given the opportunity to come to know Jesus. You know, that is an amazing thing because we know people that have done that, have worked with Operation Christmas Child that have actually changed a nation. And we're going to hear from a young man today that uh, that is two of and who is now a resident of the United States of America but comes from a major state in Africa. Tell us who we're going to be having in, on our program today, Ray. Well, Van and Evelyn, we were so fortunate this last weekend to have in our presence a young man by the name of Eves Dushimi. He comes from the um, small uh, country of Togo in North Africa. Um, he came through that by a very arduous and treacherous journey, which he shares uh, in his uh, presentation of how he came to know Christ through Operation Christmas Child and through the shoebox that he received when he was 11 years old. And, you know, we've been doing this now in this area for over 21 years. And through that, we have seen a number of what we consider full circle stories or children who have now come to know Jesus and are now working for Jesus and spreading the gospel either in their home countries or in this country or in any manner that they can in order to let us know that our efforts 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago are now bearing fruit. And it's exciting to have Eve Dashimi in our presence either on your radio show here today (laughs) or as he was here this past week and spoke to several churches and several groups because his story is phenomenal just like all the children that are touched by these shoeboxes, have a phenomenal story. Okay. Tell us a little bit personally about him. 
Well, I don't want to take away from his presentation yeah. because I know he shares a lot of his personal mm-hmm. stuff. But basically, he came from an area of our, our world that was very disturbed by war, very disturbed by genocide, mm-hmm. and narrowly escaped several times when his life could have been lost or in extreme danger. And eventually ended up becoming a refugee, coming to the United States, becoming a United States citizen, and doing everything that he could to make a life better for himself and his family, and now is ready to spread that same information to other children. Give us his name again, Ray. His name is Yves Dashimi. I'm glad you said that, because I can't. I've been practicing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we are going to hear from him, and we thank you for t- for uh Mm, you're ch- tuning in today to Love Talk, and uh, after we have our message today from this young man, I, lives, we will come back and uh, talk about what we can do here in the mm, great state of Texas in regard to uh, Operation Christian. Well, today, uh, Eve, I want to thank you for coming and being here. Let's welcome him and to hear what he has to say from the Lord today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brother Mike. Uh, Good morning, church. I am just so excited to be here uh, in Texas, uh, one of the greatest states I've ever visited. Uh, (laughs) All right, some of y'all agree. Okay, all right. Uh, I've been here since uh, since Friday, and we've been traveling, uh, just getting to know some of the church families. Uh, and I've got to say, every single word, uh, every single place we've been, uh, there has been a huge emphasis uh, on food. <laughs> and I believe that's the Texas way, and I can get down with that. Uh, <laughs> So I, I'm very excited to be here. I just want to welcome each and every single one of you uh, this morning. Uh, there's no place I'd rather be than the house of God. Amen. Uh, there's no, we are so blessed in this country, aren't we? Uh, we have the ability to, to, to go and, and go into church and worship every single day without fear of uh, retaliation from the government. We can come and worship freely. Uh, amen. We are so blessed to be here. So I just want to welcome you uh, to the house uh, to be in. In fact, will you turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, uh, welcome to the house. Neighbor, welcome to the house. Some of you guys have some really stuck up neighbors, so turn to your other neighbor and say, other neighbor, welcome to the house. There you go, that was a better neighbor, right? Better neighbor. I am so excited to be here this morning. Uh, do y'all have your Bibles with you this morning? If you got them, just wave them in the air. Uh, yes, your phones and iPads count as long as they're fully charged. Will you turn to, uh, will you turn to Proverbs 3 with me this morning? Proverbs 3. And if you're there, say, let's go. If you're not, say, hold up. Okay, all right, I'll wait. Let's go. I'm hearing some let's goes. All right, we'll go ahead. Uh, Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. 
Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Let me, let me read that last part again because I've never heard better news. Let me read that last part. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Uh, let us pray this morning. Dear God, we just want to invite you to, to, the, to, to this building and this place to, this morning. Uh, God, will you open up our hearts to everything you have to say to us. Uh, speak to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. I am so excited to be here this morning. And uh, the, the title of my message is The Power of a Gift. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about this, this, this powerful gift uh, that many of you guys are very familiar with. And by the way, in case you just walked in, I am now Pastor Steve. Uh, uh, so many of you just walk in just then. My name is Eve Ducime, and if I ruin anything about your theology, Pastor Steve will be back very soon to fix it, right? Be back to fix it. But my name is Eve Ducime, and I'm a national spokesperson for Operation Christmas Child, a project of Samaritan's Person. When I was 11 years old, I received one of these very boxes you fill every single year. And this morning, I want to share a little bit of my story with you, if that's all right. Uh, but I also want to take it a step further and just talk about the power uh, of this gift and the power of the gift that God has placed inside each and every single one of us. Amen. How many of you guys believe you have a gift? Just raise your hand. Every single one of us has a gift. It doesn't matter how young, old, how, how tired, how, it doesn't matter who you are. Before you were born, God entrusted you with a gift. And he did so because he knew that in Matthew 28, 19, he said, Therefore, go into all of the nations. And bring them my gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he didn't want to left you empty-handed, so he put a gift inside of you. And this morning, I just want to encourage each and every single one of you to step out in faith, to trust the Lord with all of your heart, and use that gift to bring his powerful message of hope uh, to a people in desperate need of it. Amen? I've got, um, by the way, in case you couldn't tell, I'm a hollaback speaker, so feel free to hollaback. If you're feeling Pentecostal this morning, feel free to jump in the aisles and dance. Uh, you're welcome to do that. Uh, but I brought some pictures from home uh, back in Africa to show you. Is that all right with you this morning? Uh, these kids that you see here in this photo, uh, I don't know who they are. I found them on this thing called the Internet. But on a serious note, they remind me a lot of my, of my childhood when I was 11 years old, the day I received my shoebox with, uh, with my family up in, in the country of Togo, West Africa. Uh, this next photo here is a picture of my actual family. Uh, here we are, and we currently live in a tiny little place called Buffalo, New York. Uh, anyone ever been? No? Most people, uh, upon saying I live in Buffalo, New York, uh, their, first, <laughs> their first question is, Why? <laughs> <laughs> and we've been living there for almost 11 years. We moved there as refugees in 2008. But you know what? Despite the, uh, the nine months of winter and the seven feet of snow, we are incredibly grateful uh, for the city of Buffalo. We are incredibly grateful for, for the United States of America. 
for taking in a family of refugees that had nothing to give and giving them a chance to pursue their dreams. I am so grateful uh, for the United States. And uh, five years ago, we all became American citizens, and we are proud of that. We are very, very proud of that. That's right. That's right. You guys are stuck with me now. Uh, but, you know, I've got to say, upon moving to, to the United States, I was able to go to bed at night for the first time uh, and sleep through the night without fear, of, um, without fear of bombs dropping on my head, without fear of people coming into our tents to kill us, without fear of, uh, of losing my life. I was able to go through to, to, to bed and sleep through the night and... Um, some of you guys are probably wondering, Eve, why are you so paranoid? Well, I, I'm not paranoid. We're not paranoid. The reason why we have this mentality is because of where my family is originally from. Uh, we're originally from the country of Rwanda. Anyone ever heard of Rwanda? In case you don't know where Rwanda is, I brought a map for you. And this next slide here, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Rwanda is that red country there heart of Africa. And for those of you who don't remember, uh, in 1994, Rwanda went through some of the worst atrocities to have ever happened in the history of humanity, the Rwandan genocide. And if you don't remember the, the, the conflict, this conflict was a, a power struggle between two people groups, Hutus and Tutsis. And these two groups were struggling for the control of the natural resources in the country, for the control of the political power in the countries. Uh, and a rebellious group was formed and they went and shot down the president's plane. And, and that was a catalyst for one of the worst massacres in the, in the history of humanity. Because in the first 100 days of this, of this conflict starting, uh, the Rwandan genocide claimed the lives of approximately one million people. One million people. And I don't know if you can tell, but Rwanda is a very small place. And at the time in 1994, its entire population was no more than 5 million. In the span of 100 days, a huge chunk of the population was wiped out just like that. And I'm sharing this with you because among that million were my family members. Other than that photo I showed you there, the only family member I've ever met is my mom's little sister. I've never met my uncles, my cousins, my, 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 my grandpas, my grandmas. They were killed for, for being born Hutu, for being born Tutsi. They were being killed for, for, for a crime of, of being born in an ethnic group they didn't choose to be born into. This is why they lost their lives. And I'm sharing this with you because for the longest time growing up, I went out looking for answers. I was trying to understand how a, a country that was 99% Christian uh, could, 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 could behave in this way. I was trying to understand uh, how men and women would go out into the streets and, and meet innocent men, women, and children and kill them just because they were born in an ethnic group they didn't choose to, born, to be born into. And in my quest for answers, I didn't find any. And that left me with a lot of anger, a lot of hatred in my heart. I hated people. I hated the, the, the one and people, but also hated the rest of the world for sitting idly by for 100 days while a million people were being slaughtered. And they did nothing to stop it until it was too late. And this is really interesting because I grew up in a Christian home. My dad's a pastor. And he would tell me, Eve, look, you got to love your neighbor as yourself. And I didn't understand how he, how he could possibly ask me to love the, the very people that killed his mom and his dad and his siblings. I didn't understand that. 
But in July of 1994, my family had to leave and they left uh, the red country there, Rwanda, and migrated into the blue country there. Uh, that's called Congo. And this next picture here is an actual photo of Rwandan refugees migrating from Rwanda into Congo. And my family did this walk and they walked for two weeks. And at the time, my mother was eight months pregnant with me. She is my personal hero. God bless her heart. And these people that you see here are, are refugees. They're chasing uh, something called hope. And in Matthew 28, 19, God commands us, Jesus commands us to be the ones to go out there and use our gifts, our talents, the ones he's entrusted us with to bring them that powerful message of hope. Amen. Hope has a name, people, and his name is Jesus. You know, the, the, this next photo here is a, is, a, is a refugee camp. This is where I was born and raised, uh, up there in, in Congo. Can you imagine waking up in a place like this today? We are so blessed in this country, amen? Uh, this is where I was born and raised, and uh, eventually things kind of got out of hand, and uh, we moved to, uh, there's a map next year, we moved to the country of Kenya, which is the yellow country at the top right. Uh, things also got out of hand. Eventually we had to resettle to the country of Togo, and that's the one at the top left uh, of the map there. I bet none of you thought this morning as you walked into church that you were coming to a geography lesson, did you? Togo is that country there at the top left. Anyone ever heard of Togo? All right, you guys are smart. I love it. For those of you who haven't heard of Togo, it's a very small country on the west coast of, of Africa, about 7, 8 million people in, in its population. Uh, but did you guys know Togo is one of the poorest countries in the world? And when I say poor, I mean poor, okay? Uh, not America poor, I mean poor. We have a different kind of poor in this country. In fact, there I'll be bold and say, uh, we are not really poor in this country. How many of you guys believe me? We are not poor in this country. And some of you guys are thinking, Eve, you have no idea how much debt I'm in. It doesn't matter. All of us are in debt in America. That, that's just the way it is. But we are not really poor in this country. And this is how I know we are not poor in this country. Uh, how many of you guys took a shower this morning? You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're feeling bold... Please go ahead. Uh, there is a point. I know we just met, and I'm asking you personal questions, but I took a shower this morning, and I love taking showers. I take two, three showers every single day if I can. I love showers. Don't judge me, okay? I went 14 years of my life without a real shower, so I figured I have to catch up. Uh, but whenever we're taking a shower, you ever think about the... Con just think about this for a second. We, we use water to clean dirt off of our bodies and, and that water that we use is the very water that 700 million of people across the world are in desperate need of to drink we clean dirt off of our bodies with that very water that, that's how rich we are in this country and we don't think twice about it because that's what you do you sour we are not really poor in this country and if you still don't believe me uh, you ever think about the concept of storage units Just think about storage units for a second. It's ridiculous. We have so much stuff in this country that we can't fit it all in our homes, right? We can't fit it all in our houses. So we're willing to pay somebody else on a monthly basis to store the stuff that we don't need on a daily basis. It's insane. It's crazy. 
And I'm guilty of this too because I have a storage in it. But, <laughs> but this next photo here, this is my house in Togo. This picture here is the picture of my home in Togo. That room that you see there was our entire house. And there, here I am with my brothers. And that room there, being our entire house, made me and my family the richest family in my village. Because we had a real wall. We had a bed. We had clothes on our backs. We were one of the richest families in the entire, in the entire village. And that's all we had. That's all we had. I grew up with kids who couldn't go to school simply because their families couldn't afford a pack of pencils. And I know that sounds crazy because we can go to the Dollar Tree. You guys have that here, right? And buy a pack of pencils for $1 and be able to use it for the rest of the year. But yet some of you guys could probably go home, uh, go in your living rooms, go digging in your couch cushions and find enough school supplies to supply an entire school. Let's jump to this next photo here. This is what we gave ourselves around Christmas time. Okay, we didn't have the means to afford real gifts, so we would go dumpster diving in some of the rich neighborhoods and, and find these, these things and, 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 and turn them into, into toy car. I believe this is a rec- recreational vehicle of some kind. Uh, uh, let's jump to this next photo here. The, the, these things that you see here are little pieces uh, of, of sticks. And they're in little bundles. And growing up, and today, people are still using them, but this is what we use to brush our teeth. These are toothbrushes. You would go and chew one and make it all soft, you know, make these little spikes, kind of like toothbrushes. And then you go around brushing your teeth with it. But if you know anything about using wood on your gums, it would leave a lot of cuts in your mouth, okay? And if you know anything about Togolese cuisine, these people like to cook with a lot of jalapenos, okay? So they like to cook a lot of spicy food. So because of the cuts in your mouth and all the spicy food, your mouth is on fire 24-7. So next time you're packing your shoebox and you're wondering, should I include a toothbrush? Please. Include a couple for the family members. This is the kind of physical poverty Togo struggled with. But beyond that, the struggle was something uh, of, of the spiritual uh, poverty, a spiritual kind of poverty. Anyone ever heard of witch doctors and witchcraft? We struggled a lot with that in, in the community in Togo. And when we moved there, we had no clue, okay? We didn't know anything about witchcraft and witch doctors. And by the way, witchcraft is real, okay? And the reason why witchcraft is real and witch doctors are real is because the devil is real. And these people could harness that power and be able to, to use it to heal just as much as to kill. And for so long, my father, a pastor, was trying to minister to the people of Togo, and it just didn't work. They were too afraid of what these witch doctors would do to them if they were found talking to a pastor. So for years, he tried and tried and tried, and it never worked. Until the year 2005, when somebody called the church and and called my father and told them, Look, Pastor Jean-Baptiste, that's my father's name. Pastor Jean-Baptiste, I've got a group of people here uh, called Operation Christmas Child who would like to send you 300 shoebox gifts. Would you like them? And my dad's like, Well, duh. I would like some shoe boxes. We live in a poor country and everybody needs some shoes, so please send them down. But the person on the other end of the line proceeded to explain that some of these boxes might come with shoes, but the majority of them come with things like toothbrushes and toy cars and school supplies. And now the school supplies were very important because in this poor nation, the only way to lead your family out of poverty was to send your kids to school. So they could go off, get a degree, go into the city, get a real paying job, and then lead their families out of poverty. But you couldn't be led out of poverty if you couldn't send your kids to school. 
And if you couldn't send your kids to school because you didn't have school supplies, then there was no chance for you. And all of a sudden, look, we didn't have cell phones back in the day, but the word spread fast. Every single person in the village we were in and the villages nearby heard that the local church had their hands on 300 shoe boxes, and every single one of them came with school supplies. That changed everything. Because I remember the day of the distribution on a Sunday evening, a Sunday afternoon, 90 degree heat. No one came out at that time. But I remember seeing people pouring into the church. People that my father had tried to invite so many times and they would never dare come, they were showing up. I remember seeing friends from, from my soccer team that I had tried to invite to, to youth group and they would never dare come, they were showing up. In fact, I remember looking into the crowd and seeing people that we knew to be witch doctors in the crowd. That was a little curious at first because we weren't sure if they had shown up to disrupt the, the service. But turns out they had shown up with their families and their kids. And they were ready to receive an Operation Christmas Child shoebox. Are you tracking with me? For the first time in generations, pastors and witch doctors found themselves under one roof and nobody died. And as my father looked at this crowd, he realized that in front of him was a captive audience. Before they leave, before they, they're not going anywhere until they get a shoebox. So before we give them shoeboxes, how about we preach the gospel? Amen. And that's exactly what he did. He began to share with these people how he had a God who loved the world so much that he gave himself. He gave everything. He gave himself in, in the form of a son to come live on us, uh, on earth with us, and teach us, and, and then die on a cross. So not only we, but they as witchcraft followers, they as witch doctors could also have a chance at redemption. So not only we, but they could have a chance at forgiveness. Not only we, but they could have a chance at freedom, freedom from the oppression from these witch doctors. So not only we, but they could have a chance at eternal life. For the first time ever in the community in the southern part of Togo, the gospel was able to be preached. And I don't know if you're tracking with me, but God used the power of a simple gift to break down the barriers, the strongholds that had existed for generations and allowed the gospel to be preached. The power of a gift power of a simple gift. You know, so many people, upon hearing the good news, started telling their friends and neighbors, look, turns out we don't have to listen to these witch doctors anymore. We don't have to let them dictate how we live our lives. We don't have, them, we don't have to let them dictate what, what they take from us, our money. We don't have to let them kidnap our youngest kids and sacrifice them to their idols anymore. We can fight back. We can fight back if we choose Jesus. And every single person who heard this started coming to the church. There's a reason why it's called the good news. There's a reason why it's called the good news. People started pouring into the church to the point that we ran out of space. Okay? People were standing as far back as the road. And if you've ever been to Togo, there's a lot of motorcycle taxis. And they're called Zemijan. And people were standing in the road and Zemijan were having to go and, and pass through them. It was getting a little dangerous. So we decided, why don't we break up this crowd? Why don't we start new meeting places where some of these people who are walking two hours to get here, they can go. And I'm telling you this because these meeting places eventually became congregations. Those congregations became 
King Church plants. And those churches are still standing to this very, very day. Fourteen years later. I talk to their deacons on, on social media and WhatsApp all the time. They're alive and well, and they've planted more churches. The ripple effects are still being felt because God used someone like you in this church today to send us simple gifts so my father would be able to minister to witch doctors. You know, in one of those villages, I've got to tell you the story, there was a witch doctor in that village, and this man was a hostile man. He had healed people, but he had also killed so many. Uh, and he was powerful. He knew what he was doing with his craft, and, and he was revered by other witch doctors. He was feared by what, other witch doctors. One, and one day, after service, he came to the church, and he was like, I demand to speak to your leader. Who is your leader? Who is your, who's your people's leader? And everybody was like, look, don't, don't harm us, don't hurt us, 30 years. <laughs> they threw my dad right under the bus. <laughs> but my dad went and spoke to the man, and when he came back, dad told us that this is what the witch doctor had said. Uh, Ever since you people have shown up in my village, I have had no peace. You have stolen my people, and I want them back, or I will start killing you one by one. And my dad was like, yeah, that's all he said. No big deal, guys. We're good. Well, later that, later that night, we had a family meeting. Uh, we had family meetings usually when the kids were in trouble. But uh, on this night, it was, di- it was a different kind of family meeting. It wasn't mom and dad versus the kids. It was mom and the kids versus dad. We needed to talk some sense into, into this man. We're like, look, look, dad. Uh, we've been bossing around the world so much that we've gotten really good at telling when it's time to bail. Our instincts are sharp and they are telling us that it's time to go. Look, we didn't escape uh, genocide. We didn't escape refugee camps. We didn't escape malaria to come down at the hands of some witch doctor who, by the way, has warned us. He has given us a head start and it would be stupid not to take it. And my father said something powerful that he had said to us many, many times. He said, God, guys, I understand you're afraid. Uh, but whenever we live in his will, God always makes away. He said, if you live in his will, God always makes a way. You know, that passage in Proverbs is one of his favorite. And every time we had complicated and complex questions that he couldn't possibly understand, he would refer to that and tell us to trust in God and trust in the Lord and tell us that if we lived in his will, God will always make a way. But in my brokenness, in my, in my in my, in my skepticism, I didn't believe those words, but I have come to believe in them since. Because one day I'm sitting in my house, that tiny little house I showed you. And I look out the window and what do I see? That witch doctor walking straight at us. And in his hands he's carrying these massive bags. He's dragging them alongside him. And behind him are a couple of people I couldn't quite figure out who they were. So I figured he's coming to kill us. He's coming to make good on his promise. So I ran back to the courtyard and told mom and dad, look, he's coming. And uh, they, they rushed us into the room our house and shut the door shut the blinds and we sat there in silence hoping he would think there was no one home and leave but then we heard he was knocking I have been through a lot in my life but I have never been that afraid because death was literally at my doorstep this man kept knocking and knocking and knocking and eventually my mom looked at dad and and she was like yeah you're up We try to warn you. You didn't listen. You're up. 
So my dad went to open the door, and when he opened the door, I heard words that I'll never forget. For as long as I live, I will never forget them. And this witch doctor said these words in French, but I'm going to translate. He said, Pastor Jean-Baptiste, I have come here today because I have realized that your God is so much stronger than my God. And I am here to give my life to your Jesus. That wasn't our reaction. As I sat in the back of the room, I'm thinking, what? Come again? I have come here today because I have realized that your God is so much stronger than my God. And I am here to give my life to your Jesus. By the way, I have a picture of that very night. Uh, there is that witch doctor uh, there in the next picture here, uh, right there in the middle. I don't know if you can recognize my dad. He's 10, 15 years younger. But this is that very night in my courtyard at home. There is that witch doctor in the middle. And he had brought his wife and his two younger kids. Those were the people behind him. And they were there in my courtyard, giving their lives, dedicating their lives to our Jesus Christ. And look, my dad has no clue what's going on. No clue what's going on. But if we jump to this next photo here, they're on their knees and my father is praying over them. But I want you to focus on that bottom left corner. Uh, those things that you see there on the ground were some of the things that he had brought in his two heavy bags. And there was plenty more uh, to the side that were cropped out of the photo. But he had brought these things out and he said, Pastor Jean-Baptiste, I want you to light these things on fire. I want the flame to be so hot that people can spot it from villages over. I want people to know that on this day, I have given my life to your Jesus. Jesus. My dad has no clue what's going on. How is this man here giving his life to Christ? I have never witnessed him. Eventually, the witch doctor began to share with my father uh, that he had tried to kill him for the last few weeks. He had tried to kill my dad, my mom, and us kids, and it didn't work. He tried everything he could, but it didn't work. There was a power that was preventing him from completing his task. And he couldn't figure out what that was, so he decided to send his son to the church on, uh, every Sunday. His son was supposed to go and spy for him and report back what he had learned. And every Sunday, the son would go back and say, Dad, um, these people's God can like part the seas and let his people through. Can you do that? <laughs> I can't do that yet. And the following Sunday, his son would come back. Uh, Dad, these people, God can literally raise people from the dead. I can't do that yet. Dad, these people's God can feed thousands with just a couple of fish and loaves of bread. Well, I can't do that yet. And story after story, this man had begun to understand that there was a greater, mightier power out there. And he led him to our doorstep to give his life to our Jesus. And I don't know if you're tracking with me, but this man's story starts in a place like this. With 300 shoeboxes, simple gifts made their way to a community in Lome, Togo. That eventually planted three churches. And at one of these churches, a witch doctor came to give his life to our Jesus. And I know I'm supposed to be sharing my story. And I'm talking about uh, some witch doctor. But this man's story needs to be told. Because in the weeks that followed, he kept going into his regular witch doctor ceremonies. But he wasn't going there to practice. He was going there to preach. This man kept going into the homes of the people that he had persecuted. And he was saying, look, I am so sorry for all the pain and agony I have caused you all these years. Please forgive me. I don't deserve it, but please forgive me. I have found another way. I have found a better way. Will you 
Will you let me tell you about him? This man was going into the homes of people he persecuted, and he was bringing them the gospel. There is redemption for every single one out there. Amen? There is redemption for all of us out there. You know, this man had sort of become best friends with my dad overnight. It was really weird for me. Uh, you know, he would drop by unannounced, and one day he showed up, and, and, and he was reading his Bible, and he was telling my dad, I've been reading about this thing called baptism. Can you tell me more about that? What is that about? And my dad told him, look, it's a, uh, it's a public declaration of faith. It's a dying, a pledge to die to our old selves, our old sin, and a renewal and a rebirth in Christ. And the man's like, well, am I eligible? My dad's like, well, yeah, you're eligible. So we set up a time and a day to go baptize this man. And whenever we got there, this happened. Let's jump to this next photo here. These people that you see here uh, are people a witch doctor had witnessed to, led to Christ, and invited to be baptized alongside him. My whole entire community was changed. And it didn't stop there because my heart was changed as well. Because up until the day I received my shoebox gift, I still hated people. I hated the world for killing grandma and grandpa. But when I opened up this box, at the very top there was a sticky note inside. And that sticky note said, God loves you, Jesus loves you, I love you. Now I knew the first two things to be true because mom and dad had told us that. But I love you from a complete stranger, a member of that humanity I despise so much just messed me up. It shook my world to the core because it challenged every previously held belief I had in my life. Here was a man, a, a, a woman, a member of that humanity I despise so much. And God started using that simple sticky note to, to heal my heart. Because he started reminding me that if a, if a sinful man or a woman could demonstrate this kind of love towards me, then how much greater is his love for me be? His love has rescued me. And God used a simple shoebox, a sticky note, to rid me of all that anger, of all that pain, of all that brokenness. Of all that darkness, and he freed me, and he filled my love with love, my heart with love and compassion. I am not the same today because God used somebody out there and a simple gift to change my life. And I remember one of the items I pulled out of my box that day. I still have it with me 14 years later. Uh, this was in my box, and if you can't tell what this is, this is called a scarf. But can anyone tell me where I lived? I lived in Togo, in West Africa. I don't know if you can tell, but no one's wearing a scarf. Okay? I had no clue what this thing was, and I tried to trade it for so many other items that kids had, and it didn't work out, and my brothers made fun of me. I was the youngest boy that made fun of me. <laughs> we got better things than you did. But fast forward three years later, my family is resettled as refugees to where? Buffalo, New York. And look, I remember stepping off that plane on October 29, 2008, right there on the tarmac, and being hit with that cold, brisk air. And I was thinking, all of us kind of turned to Dad and were like, Dad, you messed up? Where have you brought us? But as we were walking towards the terminal, something clicked in my head. I had packed something in my backpack nobody else had, so I gently proceeded to reach in my bag. I pulled it out, wrapped it around my neck. I looked at my brothers, and I was like, that's right, who's laughing now? on top of the world for two minutes because <laughs> when we got to the terminal there were wonderful people with hats and scars waiting for us uh, but in that instance I learned something powerful 
This scar serves as a powerful reminder of God's sovereignty over my life. He knew my past, the heartache I had, the brokenness, and he made a way to fix it by using someone like you to share a powerful gift with me. And in our present, as my father was struggling to minister to people, he used 300 powerful gifts to make sure that he could bring the gospel to those people. And in the same way, he knew my past, present, he knew my future, and the scarf is a powerful reminder of that fact. And in the same way, brothers and sisters in Christ, God knows your past. He knows your present and he knows your future. And it's all in his, in his hands and all you got to do is trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in him and he will make your path straight. Amen. Amen. My point here this morning is this. If, if God can use a simple shoebox gift to plant not one, not two, but three churches. If God can use a simple sticky note to change my heart and change my life forever. If God can use the God-given gifts that he's placed inside of witch doctor, the gifts of an effective communicator, if he can use those gifts to bring his gospel to all of these people, my point is this, what is your excuse? What is your excuse? Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for the privilege to, to serve you, Jesus. You don't need us. You don't need us at all. But you want to use us. You want to use us to, to, to bring your message to, to a world that is broken, to a, war, a world that is in desperate need of that powerful hope you have to give. And God, what a privilege it is. And I want to pray for every single soul in this building this morning. God, would you enter our hearts, every single one of us. Come in our hearts and change the things that have kept us for so many years from stepping out in faith and using the gifts that you've given us to, to spread your hope to a people in need of it. God, will you come? Come be with us here today. And as we leave this building this morning, God, walk with us. Walk with us wherever we are so we are continuing to bring your gospel through our lifestyles, God, to the, to the, through the things we do, through the things we say. God, I want to take a moment this morning to pray for all of the missionaries out there in the world, out there in the field, doing your work. God, would you just provide for them everywhere they are. Go and provide for them, Jesus. God, I want to pray for all the pastors in this country and all the pastors in the world. And I want to specifically pray, pray for, for, for Pastor Steve this morning as he's, as he's struggling with an illness. God, will you just go and t- we know you're the healer. You're the mighty healer. Go and touch him, God. So he comes back to, to lead this church in the way that you've, you, you've, you've guided him to do so for so many years, Jesus. God, we thank you for who you are. We love you, God. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. I want you to pretend that this is the very box that Eve got. The power of that box you heard about today, but I want you to know something. The power 
of that same box has now touched you. Some of you need to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. A box that was meant for Him is now touching you. In a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity. If you've never in your life received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today is your day. Well, ministers will be up here. We'll be singing. You come forward, talk to one of them. We'll tell you how to receive Christ. But also, the power of this box is touched many of you that know Christ. And you know now that you need to get busy. You need to do more. In fact, we've been doing Operation Christmas Child so long, some of us have, have, have taken it for granted. Been apathetic about it. We need to do more shoeboxes than we've ever done because this story can repeat over and over and over again. And the world can know about Jesus. So if God's touched your heart and you need to come make a commitment to the Lord about that, you come up here and pray. Lots of places to pray. Maybe you want to talk to a minister about it. Maybe you want to commit to the Lord. Lord, I give one or two boxes every year, but this year I'm going to give dozens. Thank you, Gavin, uh, for making the program so different today and so important and so inspiring. And again, we have in our studio today Ray and uh, Luana Gardner, and they are area representatives for Operation Christmas Child. Luana, what is Operation Christmas Child? Operation Christmas Child is packing a shoebox for children all over the world to spread the word of Jesus and to help them understand that they are loved by God, they're loved by Jesus, and they're loved by somebody that doesn't even know them um, by, through the means of a shoebox um, filled with love. What? I'm, I'm packing my box. We're packing our box today because we are, with this program today, we'll cover most of the, um, well, all of the, the, the capital area. But even out into the little communities where small churches are looking for ways that they might serve the Lord Jesus. So what, what, would, what would a person put in a shoebox? We try to put um, school supplies because a lot of the countries that these go to, um, the children cannot go to school unless they have school supplies. So that's one of the um, first things, first and foremost. We also like to put hygiene items um, toothbrushes, hair combs, things like that, that they might have to be sharing with other children, either in orphanages mm. or with their family. Um, that gives them something personal. Um, any kind of toy that our children would love, um, they're going to love. And also um, games that they can then play with their um, families to incorporate if someone within their household does not get a box because of age out. Um, then they can play games with them. So games and toys, and um, it, every once in a while we'll throw in a, a you know a pair of socks or a pair of underwear or something like that. Um, yeah. Well, I pack for girls and Van packs for boys. And Van, tell me what you put in your box. Well, I always put in a soccer ball. I figured if I put a football in there, half the people that got one wouldn't know what it was for. But soccer is worldwide, and people know what they are, the soccer balls. So I, put, I deflate a, a soccer ball and put a pump in there with it, and then uh, I put a few school supplies and always put a toothbrush. Several years ago, we had a girl, from, I think she was originally from Russia, 
that uh, spoke at our church, and she had been adopted in the United States. And she said that before she was adopted, she had to share a toothbrush with five other people. And that just really got to me. And so I guarantee you, when I send the box, it's going to have a toothbrush in there. (laughs) I I would have the thought of sharing a toothbrush with five other people. The one of what uh, what kind of box do you recommend? I know we have boxes that you can just uh, write a check for, and they somebody else fills them. What is that process? Um, you can use any kind of shoe box that's the regular, like lady size seven looking shoe box. Um, it can be plastic. It can be a regular shoe box that you can wrap. Um, you can go to Hobby Lobby. Um, they have the plastic shoe boxes offered by Operation Christmas Child. And, um, Mardell's also has them. So any kind of shoe box, sized box, um, will be appropriate. And you can wrap it and fill it with love. Well, what we do, uh, Van does, is we use the plastic ones that we buy at, um, one of the stores you mentioned. And, and I do the little girls and I, I love that because we don't have any girls. Van, we don't have any girls. No, we don't have any girls. <laughs> but you know what? We have Thank a... you, Lord. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, Ray, what, um, what is the process of filling a, bo- a box and then getting it to the point of, uh, to the destination where, um, it would be taken from there for the Operation Christmas Child. Well, we'd like to emphasize first and foremost that this box is not just a box of toys or school supplies or hygiene items. This is a box of love that you're preparing to show Jesus to a child that has never experienced Mm -hmm. love before. So first and foremost, put a little prayer in that box. Mm -hmm. Make it personal. Put a little thought into it. And pick items that you know will put a bright sparkle in a little kid's eye. Don't just put anything in everything. Think about it. Because as you think about it, you will become attached to that box and in some way attached to that child. And it will mean more. But past that, once your box is packed and you're ready to get it on its way, find a local church by going to SamaritansPurse.org. Click on the Operation Christmas Child link. And it'll give you a list of all the churches in this area. And there's about 40 of them that collect these boxes and get them ready to go to the processing center, which in turn, the processing center gets them ready to go to the children or to go out into the field to the missionaries to be delivered to the children. It's a multi-step process. It's very involved, and it takes hundreds of thousands of volunteers every year to distribute these shoe boxes. We anticipate delivering over 11 million shoeboxes this year, this coming year, from the 2019 collection season. Let that soak in, 11 million. And each of those boxes is going to touch between 5 and 12 people. So it's an enormous effort that God has blessed over the last 20-some-odd years, and it just continues to grow every year, year after year. The process is simple. Pack the box with love. Pack the box with care. Find a local church that's collecting the boxes. Take it to that church. They will take it from there. Well, how can a church get involved in in that part of the process? Um, Every year we have an open season when churches can uh, volunteer to be a Mm drop-off site or a collection site. And we filter and make sure that we have 
all the appropriate people to support that church for that. Um, right now, they're all in place. So mm-hmm. if you do want to get on board, you can contact me or Luana. You can call us at 512-990-2600. That's Luana's hotline. And uh, we'll be glad to communicate with you and see about possibly setting you up. Uh, but for now, you can go online to the SamaritansPurse.org website. You can also try to you sign know, up there. Yeah, one of the special things uh, that just moves my heart is uh, First Baptist Church in Pflugerville uh, is a local center where all the churches bring their things and pack to go to uh, Colorado, I guess it is. Uh, but anyway, the process of that is we put those boxes on the in in the trailers or in the whatever, uh, we pray for every one of those boxes again as they go on that thing. And we want to offer people the opportunity to come and do that. And that would be on the Monday of what day, Ray? That's going to be on Monday the 27th? Yeah, 25th. 25th. Sorry, 18th, the, 18th the 25th, yeah. 25th. Monday the 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it, you know, just ten words that you would say today if you walked up to a person that did not know what uh, Operation Christian Child is? Basically, um, are you interested in helping a, a child yes. come to know Jesus? And are you willing to make a small sacrifice yes. to accomplish that goal? Give us your phone number again. That would be 512-990-2600. And you can also check um, Great Hills Baptist Church is one of our drop-off uh, central locations, Liberty Hill Fellowship Church, and Hayes, Round Rock, Rock, First Baptist Baptist Church, Round Rock, sorry, I should have my list ready, and And all of them do exactly, they have these trailers parked on their property, and people in their area come and bring their boxes there, right? That's correct, yes, those are the main Well, we want to thank you uh, all for coming in today. Just to hear the message of Ives today is enough to vote any of us to begin to look at at those that do not have an opportunity to know that Jesus loves them. And that's our sole reason for being here today, is that the Lord Jesus has a plan for everyone. And that plan is very simple, that we use our lives in a way that would bless the life of those out there that do not know him and do it worldwide. And this this ministry is awesome. Uh, this is Evelyn Davison. We're on Love Talk today and ask that you give us a call if you have a need. And remember, Jesus loves you and he wants you to give that love away to somebody that does not know him. Thank you for joining us and we'll talk with you again next. Joy. 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 Joy.